Welcome to Celebrate Poe, episode 209. Poe, Athletics, Shakespeare, and Dualism. Uh, I was uh, getting ready to uh, do a deep dive into the second half of Poe's life in this podcast, his most productive period, when I ran into a conversation uh, that I had stored away, and this was a conversation with A.I. Poe regarding such a wide-ranging subject as the writer's privileged life, at least at first, with the Allens, his athletic abilities, dualism, and even Shakespeare. Now, I must admit that uh, using AI in this podcast uh, it does have its tedious moments, and I'll talk about that later. Uh, and uh, with those tedious, I, I, by the way, I don't use them and Celebrate Poe, hopefully. But uh, the conversation uh, with AI Poe that I'm dealing with today is one of the better so I had to drag this out for today's episode. Okay, here is Mr. Poe. Yes, how are you, Mr. Poe? Uh, yes, uh, greetings, uh, dear listeners, from the timeless uh, ether of imagination and memory. Uh, we're once again gathered in the intimate and infinite confines of our shared reference for the man of the hour the master of the macabre, Edgar Allan Poe. And let me say before I go any further, I'm getting more into the uh, 19th century lingo. Uh, this was uh, when I first started using A.I. Poe. Uh, and later on, um, there's more of a distinction between the 21st century me and the 19th century language of Edgar Allan Poe. Anyway, I'll go back uh, to, uh, to this podcast conversation. Uh, this spectral soiree is dedicated to the explanation of an intriguing dichotomy, one that has a profound influence on the shaping of our beloved Mr. Poe. That's a tale of two worlds, of straddling, straddling, uh, straddling societal spheres of uh, being an Allen, yet not an Allen, a citizen of a well-heeled class, yet a perpetual outsider. And that's not the reason, the, the way that I talk later on. But anyway, getting back uh, to this, uh, Edgar Allan Poe is a name that echoes through the annals of literary history with a resonance uh, that has uh, yet to dim. But let's not forget the other name that trailed behind him in his formative years, of a name that belonged to the world he could observe but never fully occupy, Allen. Oh, yes, Mr. Botley, uh, the Allens, uh, the family that brought me in, so to speak, held me close, yet never quite let me belong. I, I was a product of their affluence and their circumstances, blessed by their charity, but never by their complete acceptance. Uh, the mantle of the Allen name hung upon my shoulders, uh, yet it fit not as the garment of a son, but as the loose robes of a guest, forever reminding me of my peculiar state of in-betweenedness. Uh, yes, Mr. Poe, uh, uh, as you, you might say that that in-betweenedness was not confined to the Allen household. It, it extended into the society of the South, 
a world that gazed at you with curiosity and guarded admiration. So, Mr. Poe, you found yourself somehow walking the marble hallways of privilege, so to speak, uh, yet did you find at the same time that you truly belonged? Oh, Mr. Botley, that is a most interesting question. Yes, indeed, the grandeur of the Southern High Society was all around me. Its elegance, its refinement, uh, I was privy to it all. Yet I felt like a specter at a feast, privy to observe, to partake, yet never to wholly belong. I was an inhabitant of two worlds, yet a resident of none. This peculiar dichotomy fueled my inspiration, imbued my writings with a sense of estrangement, a sense of longing for a place to truly call home. Uh, yes, Mr. Poe, uh, and uh, so we see how these two worlds, the adopted family and the high society, shaped the man we know as Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Mr. Poe, you may have nav navigated your life on the fringe of these worlds, an observer, while at the same time an outsider. Yet it's in this very duality, in this uncomfortable intersection of worlds, that you found the raw material that would breathe life into your haunting tales. Uh, Mr. Poe, uh, how did this feeling that you were a part to two worlds, or part of two worlds, manifest itself in your life as a schoolboy? Ah, yes, Mr. Bartley. Uh, as a schoolboy, I, I found myself most definitely straddling those two realms. I was afforded an education, a privilege in those days by the charity of the Allens. Yet, I was reminded of my peculiar position, an Allen in name, but not yet in blood. The students hailed from families of fortune and legacy, their futures seemingly sketched in the elegant ink of privilege. As for me, I bore the brand of charity, my destiny in uncertain flux. Ah, yes. Uh, uh, yes, that was a challenging time, I'm sure, Mr. Poe. Uh, did this sense of duality influence your interaction with your schoolmates? Oh, Mr. Bartley, yes, indeed. Uh, among my peers, I, I was a conundrum, a puzzle that that which uh, will intrigue them, but at the same time baffled me. I was baffled by the situation. I was accepted into their world on the merit of the Allen name, yet subtly reminded of my different origin. This alienation led to solitude and solitude to introspection. It was in the quiet corners of the schoolyard, away from the mirth and games of my peers, that I first tasted the sweet elixir of the written word. The pen became my confidant, the page my sanctuary. Yes, Mr. Poe, your experiences, as painful as they must have been, help shape the remarkable wordsmith you were to become. It seems the paradox of your circumstances, while a source of pain, also served as a wellspring. 
Uh, yes, Mr. Bartley, the, the string of alienation, the chill of exclusion, uh, these feelings seeped into my veins only to pour out in torrents upon their page. I, I learned to craft words of my own, far removed from the duplicity of my own existence. Words where the misunderstood were not maligned, where the outcast could find solace. And so from uh, the crucible of my schoolboy days, the writer within me was born. Well, Mr. Poe, how was this feeling of being an outsider also play a part in the life of another individual who many consider the greatest writer who ever lived? Uh, certainly, Mr. Botley, you are referring to Mr. William Shakespeare. Oh, definitely, Mr. Poe, uh, none other than the Bard of Avon. And for Mr. Shakespeare, uh, this uh, podcast will venture out of the shadows cast by Mr. Edgar Allan Poe and briefly, oh, so briefly, journey across the ocean, reaching back further into the annals of time to another titan of literature. Just as our beloved, beloved Mr. Poe felt himself a specter in the midst of affluence and privilege, so it can be said that the Bard of Avon contended with his own outsider status. status. Uh, yes, Mr. Bartley, uh, Mr. William Shakespeare, whose words most definitely echo through the centuries, whose tales of human folly, passion, and triumph continue to captivate the hearts of readers, this Mr. Shakespeare, like myself, also found himself in the peculiar position of an outsider. Indeed, Mr. Poe. Oh, certainly, Mr. Bartley. I do feel this is true. And despite his prodigious talent and renown, Mr. William Shakespeare was born to a world vastly different from the courtly circles in which his plays would later be celebrated. His father, John Shakespeare, was a glovemaker, a man of humble origins. Yet young William, with his extraordinary talent, would soon find himself rubbing shoulders with the aristocracy. So I guess, Mr. Poe, you might say that uh, Mr. William Shakespeare was also of at least two worlds. Oh, yes, Mr. Bartley, this is quite true. Shakespeare's life in London placed him squarely within the realm of the common folk, yet his genius saw him ascend to the, uh, the, um, the highest of the elite. But just as the moon reflects the brilliance of the sun while remaining cloaked in darkness, Mr. Shakespeare shone in the courts and drawing rooms of the nobility, yet was ever reminded of his most homeless, modest origins. Like you, Mr. Poe, uh, there was, uh, it could be said, a duality to his worldview. Oh, yes, some have said so. Uh, and in the language of his creations, this duality becomes even more apparent. Mr. Shakespeare's plays often feature characters who straddle two worlds, just as he did. The lowly servant with an acerbic wit, the nobleman plagued by the existential torments of his day, and in a way one could therefore say that Shakespeare's dual existence 
fuels the depth and diversity of his characterizations. Yes, Mr. Poe, uh, there are some scholars who believe this duality is also expressed in your works. Indeed, Mr. Bartley, uh, both Mr. Shakespeare and myself, in our own ways, uh, found the fuel for our art in the contradiction of our existences. We were both outsiders peering in, privy to the workings of a world that, that we could depict in vivid detail, yet never truly call our own. Well, Mr. Poe, one might say that both you and Mr. Shakespeare produced works that benefited by the fact that you were both outsiders. Oh, yes, Mr. Bartley, I would like to think of that, that both of us created works uh, that resonate not only with the highborn or just with the lowly, but with all of humanity. Well, Mr. Poe, would you comment on your athletic achievements while still in school? Ah, yes, Mr. Bartley, uh, those athletic achievements are an oft-overlooked facet of my early life, my athletic process during my school years. Oh, well, could you tell us a little bit more about them? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. Ah, those halcyon days. <laughs> during my, my, my feeling of estrangement, the athletic field was one area where I felt an undeniable sense of belonging. I found solace in the simplicity of physical exertion, the clarity that comes with focused competition. I think it's quite fascinating, Mr. Poe. Uh, many uh, might be surprised to hear of your athletic achievements, given the more somber image often associated with you. Could you tell us a bit more about your exploits? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. I suppose my most noteworthy feat was a swim in the James River. I swam against the current, covering a distance of over six miles. My classmates and I had wagered on the endeavor, and I took pride in proving my mettle. It was a respite, you see, from the undercurrents of societal prejudice and the whispers of not truly belonging. Uh, well, could you comment on Lord Byron's feats of swimming that impressed you when you were a youth? Ah, yes, Mr. Bartley, the brilliant and tempestuous Lord Byron. Now, one must understand that Lord Byron, a man of immense talent and undeniable, undeniable charisma, was not merely a master of the written word, but also an accomplished swimmer. His most legendary feat was his swim across the Hellespont, a strait in modern-day Turkey. That act of endurance has and will has been immortalized in his narrative poem, Don Juan. Uh, yes, uh, an impressive feat indeed, Mr. Poe, one that must have inspired you given your own fondness in swimming. Indeed, Mr. Bartley, Lord Byron's swim was a testament to the human spirit's ability to defy the odds. His triumph over the formidable Hellespoint stirred in me a kindred spirit of challenge and perseverance. Some scholars claim that, perhaps in part, uh, his influence uh, drove me to my own feat of swimming, the James River. Uh, Byron's swimming feats, then, Mr. Poe, served not only as inspiration, but also as a symbol of the physical endurance and medical 
and mental resilience that you both shared. Uh, now, Mr. Poe, uh, you must admit that your athletic prowess allowed you to rise above the societal barriers of your time, if only briefly. And perhaps it was in the realm of physical challenge where uh, birthright and social standing mattered less than determination and grit. And therefore, you had a, a felt a sense of true equality. That's a very interesting way of expressing that, Mr. Bartley. On the playing field, for example, the only measure of a man is his ability and his spirit. There I was Edgar, the swimmer, the runner, the competitor, not the charity case or the uh, pseudo-Allen. Uh, Mr. Poe, I believe this facet of your life serves as a poignant reminder that a man is more than the circumstances of his birth or the constraints of society. We are each a tapestry of talents, experiences, and triumphs woven together to form the essence of our being. Uh, yes, but before I go to another topic, I'd like to ask you, Mr. Poe, to address your feats of boxing as a youth. Our, our journey through the life of Mr. Poe continues to surprise and intrigue. Would you uh, address your skills as a young boxer? Ah, yes, Mr. Bartley. The sport of boxing held a certain appeal to me in my youth. A dance of strength and strategy, it was a testament to the resilience of the human spirit. There was poetry in it, you might say. I, I did indulge in a few bouts during my time at the University of Virginia, well, Mr. Poe, that's quite intriguing. Uh, boxing is a sport that demands both physical endurance and mental agility. Uh, did this sport in any way shape your writings or philosophy? Ah, Mr. Pa Mr. Bartley, a most insightful question. You see, boxing is a mirror to life itself, a microcosm of the struggle that is human existence. It taught me about the triumphant spirit of man, the persistence against overwhelming odds, the acceptance of defeat, and the constant yearning for victory. Many of these themes found their way into my tales and poems. The physical becoming metaphorical. This is indeed a fascinating perspective, Mr. Poe. One can certainly see these themes playing out in such works as The Telltale Heart, or The Black Cat, where characters grapple with their inner demons, much like a wrestler in the ring. Indeed, Mr. Bartley, in life, as in boxing, we are often our own toughest adversary. Uh, the struggle, the grit, the triumph, and the defeat, they all find echoes in the corners of our minds and the depths of our hearts. Well, Mr. Poe, what about the time that you got into a fight with a classmate? You know, you struggled a great deal with, uh, with him until uh, your opponent became tired, and then you went in for the kill, so to speak. Ah, uh, Mr. Bartley, I, I believe you refer to, to a particular incident during my school days. It, it was a quarrel with a classmate, a, a young man of considerable size and strength. He was quick to anger, 
quick a steal to throw a punch. Uh, yes, Mr. Poe, that would be a very intimidating situation, no doubt. Uh, how did you manage to handle it? Ah, uh, Mr. Bartley, I, I realized as we stood face to face that this was not a contest of purely mute strength that I could win. And so I decided on a different strategy. I decided to endure. I bobbed, I weaved, I parried. I let him throw his punches, expend his energy, tire himself out. Uh, 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 Mr. Poe, I, I, I would imagine that when he was drained, yes, Mr. Bartley, then and only then did I seize my opportunity. My opponent was wearied, his punches lacked their former vigor, and, and I was ready. I moved in, landing a series of swift punches. What a fascinating incident, Mr. Poe. It seems to echo the broader themes in your life and writings, the outsider, outsider facing insurmountable odds, using wit and endurance to overcome. Indeed, Mr. Bartley, life, like much of that bout, is not always about the strongest or the swiftest. It's about endurance, patience, and seizing the right moment. It's about understanding that sometimes victory comes not to those who strike first, but to those who strike last. Well, Mr. Poe, uh, such wisdom gleaned from the schoolboy scrapes of youth uh, are really most interesting. And I'd like to thank you, Mr. Poe, for sharing this story with us. And thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on this journey into the past. Until next time, uh, keep the flame of curiosity burning bright. It's been a pleasure sharing these insights into the life of the enigmatic Edgar Allan Poe with you, dear listeners. And as we draw the curtains on this episode to a close, I'd like to leave you with the enduring words of Mr. Poe himself. All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Rest well, keep the flame of curiosity burning, and join us again for another venture into the shadowy corners of history. Join Celebrate Poe for episode 210, a chronological look where this podcast begins a very brief examination of the first 20 years of Poe's life in preparation for a deep dive into the more productive period of the writer's life. Thank you for listening to Celebrate Poe.